You know, most problems in healthcare are fixed already. Primary care is already cured on the fringes. Reversing burnout, physician shortages, bad business models, forced buyouts, factory medicine, high deductible insurance that squeezes the docs and is totally inaccessible to most of the employees. The big squeeze is always on for docs. It's the acceleration of cost and the deceleration of reimbursements. I want you to meet those on this show that are making a difference with host Ron Barshop, CEO of Beacon Clinics. That's me. Primary care is in the name of this show. And why do we even care about primary care? Well, why we should all care. Let me start off with a couple of paraphrasing quotes by two of the largest PCP groups in the country. Optum Care is the largest by far. They have over 46,000 doctors in their group. That's a division of United Health. And Sir Andrew Whitty, who was president of United Health and CEO of Optum before he left to work on a COVID project, had a quote that said, if you invest 5% in primary care up front, you save 95% downstream something our guest understands very well today. Uh, on the same day he came out, Gregory Adams, who was alive then, he passed since then, but he was the head of Kaiser Permanente, the second largest primary care group out of California. And he basically said that we were able to save $5 billion for our members last year that we refunded in the form of dividends, which is just unheard of with a plan. And of course, they're a hospital and a plan and a group. They're integrated. But he also reiterated the importance of primary care was the reason why they were able to save that kind of money. With an intense focus on primary care was his exact quote. So the two largest primary care groups both agree it's a great investment. But let's go a little deeper into that. So not only is primary care important because it's the mouth of the Nile of healthcare, it's where all referrals or most referrals start for most of the system. So it's a feeder. And that's why all of these large hospitals and large insurance companies are buying primary care groups is because they want that meat grinder to feed their meat grinder. They want the meat to feed the grinder. Also, a higher ratio of primary care physicians in a population is almost always going to be associated with lower mortality rates for all causes and from heart disease and cancer in particular. Um, and having more specialists in an area does not decrease the overall mortality rate or deaths from cancer and heart disease more PCPs do. Um, in states where there's higher percentage of physicians that are PCPs, they always had higher quality care and lower costs per beneficiary in many, many studies. And this factor alone accounted for nearly half of the variation in Medicare spending from one state to another. So lots of docs that are primary care is great for cost of Medicare. And having a PCP for life is like quitting smoking or wearing a seatbelt in added years. So we all know to wear seatbelts, we all know not to smoke, and um, having a PCP is right up there. And more importantly, let's talk about the bottom line for employers, because that's who our guest today is taking care of, is the employees of employers in the Minneapolis, Milwaukee, and larger region. Um, the bottom line for employers who contract direct with primary care is very real. Hospital stays drop 30%, ER visits cut in half, radiology and other testing drop 65%, Specialist visits drop 62% and surgery drops 80 whopping percent. So just because there's less complexity, as our CEO of Optum, as our CEO of Kaiser said, there is less utilization. And chronic disease drives 80 to 90% of all the costs of healthcare. So 
Some studies show that an intensive primary care can manage that and even reverse it. We've had guests on here that have, like Gene Teschler. In addition, primary care physicians strive to understand the whole patient, so it's not episodic or transactional, as they say. Uh, a surgery is transactional. A procedure, an urgent care clinic, an ER visit, those are all procedural or transactional, I should say. A test, a birth, a visit to any other specialist, it's a once or two off thing. You're not going to go as a constant regular visit. And so this is all intuitive stuff, but here's what's not intuitive is my own experience with direct primary care with Redirect Health, who's been a guest on our show many times. Our own turnover rate in my company is essentially zero. So people that have access to free primary care don't want to leave. They like that. Instead of going to a Medicaid clinic and waiting forever and dealing with the hacking and the coughing and all of the uh, time suck that's involved with going to see a doctor in the Medicaid system, now they can just get on the phone, text somebody, talk to somebody, FaceTime in a secure manner with somebody, and have access to a doctor or nurse. So we find better people faster. Uh, used to take me 60 people to find one good MA, and now I can, in four interviews, find four good people, and that's not a joke. So when you have an offering of free access to primary care like our guests today, that makes all the difference as an employer. I can't wait to talk today to Thompson Adderen Comey, and he's currently the co-founder and CEO of Nice Healthcare, just like it sounds. It's a technology-enabled primary care clinic that delivers all the care and the comfort of the patient's home or phone and contracts directly with small employers in the Minneapolis and Milwaukee area and surrounding areas much larger than that. He's also co-founded before that Retrace Health in 2013, which was a DPC medical practice that went on to raise over $7 million. So Thompson, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Well, so as you can tell, I'm a big fan of what you're doing without you even uttering a word. But <laughs> tell us a little bit more about what you're doing and how it works. Certainly. So first, let me start with what we do, and then I'll tell you about who we do it for. So what we do is we are a full-service primary care clinic. Uh, we work with nurse practitioners and physician's assistants. They're all employees, so we're not taking the cheap way out and contracting out these services. They're well-paid employees with full benefits that have time to care for their patients. And the way we care for our patients is through a combination of virtual care and in-home care. So for us, every visit starts within our app uh, as a chat visit or a video visit. And in the events that we need to do hands-on care, we deploy one of our own medical providers to the patient's home, uh, typically the same day within an hour or two. And in the home, we're doing things like x-rays, physical exams. Um, sometimes we're delivering prescriptions. We're doing labs and tests. Uh, we've recently added virtual physical therapy. Uh, we're, we're talking about adding mental health services. And the key point here, as you've alluded to, is that all of these services are free to our patients. Uh, they don't have to worry about the cost of labs and tests and x-rays and images or the cost of the home visit or the virtual visit. They don't have to get worried about getting upcharged for the, from the transition from a virtual visit to a home visit. And the way we make it free to our patients is by focusing on small employers. So let me define small employer as employers with fewer than 1,000 employees. Now, our median size client is 44 employees with the smallest having five employees, the largest having a little over 1,000. So we can serve any patient, any client you know, of any size. And we are fully transparent. This is something we're very proud of. You can go on our website right now and see how much our service costs per employee. And the cost right now is between 30 and $36 per employee per month. 
So 30 to $36 per employee per month. The dependents are completely free. doesn't matter how many dependents they are. And the employee and their dependents get unlimited access to all of our services without any co-pays, except unfortunately in the case of an HSA, there is a small fee due to IRS regulations. We're not going to get into that today. Okay, so if I have a family of 10 screaming kids, you're going to take care of all of my kids and my wife uh, for $36 a month? Absolutely. Wow. Okay, that's really quite an honor. I'm um, Not an honor, but it's a, it's a departure from anything I've heard before. Um, all right, so let's talk about x-ray because that's confusing me. Uh, you can't exactly carry an x-ray on your backpack and bring it into a home. How in the heck do you do that? Yeah, we use portable x-ray machines. They can fit inside a Toyota Prius with the seat folded down. Uh, they're light enough for one person to carry. I've had it done in my house multiple times. Uh, it's very easy, you know, and we work with partners across the country to augment our services uh, to make that service available for free to our patients. Wow. Okay. Um, you also do labs. I'm sure it's not unlimited labs. Um, what types of labs are you doing in the home? Yeah, so I'll talk about labs and prescriptions together. So we're doing the basic panel of labs. So we've found that our the labs that we provide cover about 80% of the labs that are typically conducted in a primary care setting. That's about 80% of the labs that are done, no cost to the patient. And then for prescriptions, uh, we include over 550 different prescription drugs in our program. Again, at no cost to the patient, they can pick up those drugs for free at their local pharmacy uh, using the pharmacy benefit that's attached to our program. So the employer's paying for the pharmacy, not the employee. Uh, the pharmacy is included within that PEPM, that 30 to $36. Wait, okay, that's, you're confusing me. You're telling me that you're offering 550 meds for no cost to the employer or the employee. Correct. Oh, okay. It's, you're, you're blowing my mind one sentence at a time here. <laughs> um, okay. Well, that's, that's pretty wonderful and um, unusual too. I've not heard of that. Um, and then you're also offering, uh, looks like I was reading your website, blood draws, x-rays, labs, and of course exams. Um, so you're going to do a woman's well check for the wife, you're gonna do the, the male check, you're gonna do the children's pediatric, that, that person could be there all day. I mean, for a large family. For a large family, you know, typically they're not scheduling those types of visits on the same day because it'd be disruptive to their own life as well to have these really long visits. Uh, but we do have some restrictions, you know, on what we do. So we do not do uh, pelvic exams, you know, for safety reasons, you know, maybe we will in the future. So we're not doing a women's pelvic exam or a men's pelvic exam, but we can we do all of the components of the wellness exam. And we do not prescribe controlled substances. So we're not prescribing any of those controlled substances at all, uh, whether they're part of our program or not. So let's talk about the urgent care kind of uh, procedures. Are you setting, you know, sprained ankles? Are you, uh, you know, what other types of typical things you'll see in a PCP office where they have all kinds of um, resources in their storage closet? What can you and can't you not do in a home? Yeah, and this gets to our theory about, about the disintermediation of primary care. Primary care is really just kind of lumped into one building with one doc, and it really needs to be segmented out based on the use case of the patient. So for us, we are not in urgent care or an ER. So the general rule of thumb we give our patients is if you can't wait an hour, then you should go to the urgent care or the ER, you know, because we are a primary care clinic. And so we can't attend to those urgent or life-threatening or very uncomfortable situations. So we're not setting broken bones. We're not putting in stitches. 
We're not, you know, taking care of massive bleeding, things of that nature. We are a primary care clinic and we, we're, our mission is to establish a relationship because as you said, it's that ongoing relationship with a primary care clinician that's going to lead to better health outcomes and lower costs. Okay, so I mean, just as the ridiculous example, but while you're there doing a women's well check, not a pelvic exam, but a women's well check that you can do, uh, the kid cracks his head open on the, on the coffee table. Can you not treat that while the doc is, or the nurse is right there? We, I mean, if we, if we have what it takes, what's needed, if we were already there, theoretically, yes, we could treat it. But if we don't have the proper equipment and supplies, uh, we wouldn't be able to treat it. Okay, so it's kind of a ridiculous question because I'm sure it happens every blue moon. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to assume by your tone, what you're saying that you're gonna be adding services all the time, drugs all the time, uh, procedures all the time. Your stack, your care stack is gonna be growing, I assume. Absolutely, this is something that we talk about internally. I just said it at our all hands meeting this morning where we are seeking to make the value proposition for nice healthcare so insane that it becomes morally questionable to turn us away if offered the opportunity to have us uh, provide services to your employees. So uh, case in point, when we launched, we did not have a pharmacy benefit as part of our program. We did not have unlimited primary or physical therapy. We did not have mental health services. You know, we didn't have these things. And some of the markets that we've launched, you know, we're operating in Utah, Arizona, Wisconsin, Nebraska. Sometimes we launch a new market without the imaging component. So really we are just seeking to add as many services as possible. And when we do add them, we are not increasing the price of our service to our clients. We are just that good. We have, we've built a skill set of efficient operations that allows us to pass on the savings to our clients and their employees and their dependents. Okay, so let's talk about physical medicine because that's a giant subject. Um, so many people have bad backs, so many have bad posture, and um, you know they've got knees, and ankles, hips, shoulders. What is your provider able to do in the home or do they need to come to a physical chiropractor's office or a physical therapist's office once that diagnosis is made? What, how does that all work? Yeah, you know, un unless there's some specialized equipment that's needed, we can do whatever you could do in a clinic in the home for these musculoskeletal issues. Now, most of them are, are handled virtually. It's amazing what you can do virtually. And more important, I, we believe, than actually having all the equipment, having the right location, is actually just making it easy for a patient to do the visit, period. So many people put these things off, they avoid them, they get a referral, they don't follow up because it's inconvenient to go. It's time consuming or it's expensive. So that really is the first barrier. And that's the barrier that we're focusing on is actually just get people access, you know, first and foremost. And that can lead to incredible health outcomes and savings, uh, much more than having the exact piece of equipment that you need. You're a new offering. So have you had time to calculate those savings or is that something downstream we should talk to you about? You know what, I'm, so I'm a statistician by training. I went to graduate school in statistics and I can, I, I used to do this as a health economist all day. And if you want to see a study that shows you savings, I can produce it. And if you want to see one that does not show savings, I can also produce that same data set. So what I tell our clients is, look, there's no funny business here. When I started this company, I started from a statistician's point of view, which is you could see the value without doing an ROI study. And that is just plain and simple what's happening. And this is the case in point. I always have to back up what I say with evidence, you know, so that you know what I'm saying is true. In every market, so we operate in five different states. In every market, multiple carriers are offering a premium credit 
to fully insured employers that put our service in place. We did not give these carriers data. And we're talking all the major carriers, the regional carriers, many of them, they, we, we gave a list of the services we provide to their actuaries and their actuaries all calculated a discount on their premium. And they've all calculated a discount on their premium between two and 4% of total medical spend for a fully insured employer that puts our service in place. So that is really what health, health innovators needs to be doing. You don't need an ROI to know if something is um, saving money, saving time, or leading to better outcomes. It should be evident from the get-go. And we're one of the only solutions that is. Two to four percent is ridiculously low. I mean. Oh yeah, they're. I mean, they're still. They're, they're still ripping us off, the client and me. Um, you know, but it's a start, and we'll continue. We'll continue to push on that four percent. You know, year after year, we'll be able to justify why they need to share more of that savings with the client. We're estimating that it's at least ten percent minimum. Well, at least. Um, so okay. So now I'm understanding better. So an employer with forty-four to a thousand, let's say, employees is going to engage you. They're going to pay an extra 36 bucks a month. They're going to continue paying the uh, $15,000 or $12,000 premium per employee. The employee still has their premium. They have to pay for the employer, right? I mean, that doesn't go away. Correct. Okay. So, but this, so this is an add-on. Are you, what, what resistance are you getting selling basically frictionless healthcare? Cause that's what you're selling. Yep, exactly. Frictionless healthcare. The, the, the only resistance we get is when there's entrenched interests at play. Literally, that's the only time. So suppose there's an on-site clinic that's sponsored or run by the local health system. They're charging three, four, five times what we would charge. Oftentimes it's nearly impossible. It's actually, it's been impossible every single time to beat them out because of the entrenched interests, the connections, the politics, things of that nature. Um, with, the, with the large employers, like we talk about enterprise. So let's say employers with 5,000 or more employees what their resistance is, they don't like the fact that we don't operate in every state and in every city. But for some reason, they have no problem putting an on-site uh, clinic at headquarters. You know, so for, again, I say entrenched interests. Um, and then, of course, the health systems with a strong primary care uh, mouth of the Nile. I really like that analogy that you used there. If there's a large mouth of the Nile primary care-based health system, um, they, they do not support what we're doing because we are not tethered to any insurance company. We are not tethered to any health system. So we refer to the best place for the patient, not based on who we're affiliated with. And that's a threat to health systems. Okay, so when it is, let's talk about a referral. Now it's time to make a referral because somebody's gonna have a baby or somebody's whatever. They're gonna need a surgery. They're gonna need to go for uh, some kind of radiology you don't offer. How do you make that referral? So that referral happens the same way it would in a traditional clinic. So in that regards, we are not much different. Uh, now we do use a service called Rubicon MD. It's a great uh, service and software application that allow that helps us optimize those referrals to ensure that they're needed and that they'll be productive once they're referred. So assuming that we've already verified that the referral is truly needed, since we don't benefit because we're not in a system, you know, from referring, uh, then the clinicians are referring based on their own local knowledge and their own research with other clinicians on where the best place is to refer a patient for a specialist visit. Yeah, Jay Parkinson with Crossover uses them as well. And we had them as guests on our show, both the uh, two founders. So um, yeah, they're, they're a great resource, it sounds like, for a lot of companies like you. Yep. Uh, um, so what are your plans for the next three to five years? What do you think you're going to look like in terms of number of patients? And what are you going to look like in terms of uh, number of employers and physicians you'll have on board? What is, what is your long-term outlook? 
Yeah, so in the next three years, we estimate that we'll have approximately 150 to 200 clinicians on board. Uh, we'll be operating in approximately 20 different states, uh, most likely 30 different markets across those 20 different states. And our membership, uh, if, you're, if you're talking about employees plus dependents, uh, will be close to 200, 250,000. Okay, so you're getting started now, but you've already got some traction, so that's wonderful. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, um, very unusual offering. And uh, I guess there is some way to make money like this. Do you have some kind of a ratio of providers to patients uh, that makes sense? So do you, do you try to keep it to some magic number so that you're not overburdening your team? Yeah, there is a magic number in order to maintain our, the profitability measures that, that we've set out to achieve. And that number is about 800 to 1,000 members per full-time clinician. Very nice. Okay. And I'm also going to assume you're hiring mostly nurses and PAs. Yep. Nurse practitioners and PAs. Okay. And then, um, all right. Well, I, I, I think I've got all my questions answered. Is there something I didn't ask I should have asked? No, I mean, th these are great questions. And someone like you who's in the industry knows the right questions. So I, we've covered quite a bit in a short period. Well, I, look, I, I love what you're doing. I, I celebrate new primary care models like this. Um, People love to poo-poo anything that's not Dr. Kildare, you know, in a hospital or Dr. You know, uh, Marcus Welby in his clinic. I mean, we, they're used to this model that you got to do it a way. And primary care is such a flexible rubber band these days. Uh, there's so many interesting models out there. And you have certainly pioneered a new one uh, for sure. So it, isn't it just remarkable how intuitive all this is and how complicated people like to make it? You wouldn't believe the, when, I, when I set out to start this company with my co-founders, people thought we were crazy because they thought it would be too difficult. But I would try to tell people, look, the bar is quite low for improving primary care. And if you, if you untether yourself from insurance companies and health systems, it becomes quite easy. You can literally do anything you want for the patient to keep them healthy and save them money. And so, you know, a byproduct of this is that we are one of the most popular and sought after places for clinicians to work in primary care. There's no better place to work because you don't have all that overhead. You don't have all that regulation. You don't have all, you know, those administrators, you know, breathing it just seems, It just seems so intuitive, but it all, here's the part that's not intuitive is that it's not efficient to get in a car and go drive somewhere that's out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, you're, I'm sure you're treating in Minneapolis to Milwaukee, the suburbs, the outlying areas, you know, with a certain driving radius, but you can't treat, you know, all of Minnesota and all of Wisconsin you know, from those two cities. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, the way our launch strategy works is when we launch a new market, say we're in Utah and Arizona right now, you know, we start off in the city. So in Utah, we start off in Salt Lake City, uh, Arizona, you know, it's the Phoenix era. So we start there the first year, then we expand. So when you, when you look at our trajectory, you can look at what happened in Minnesota. We start off in Minneapolis and St. Paul, but today, three years later, we cover 16,000 square miles of Minnesota. It's a huge area, over 30 different counties. And those, and those 16,000 square miles uh, include 77% of Minnesota's population. So what we do is we just keep on pushing out because when you smartly couple virtual care with in-home care, you can, you, what you do is you basically make up for the inefficiency of driving with virtual care. And you can still provide that great transparent price point to the client on top of all the additional services that we provide at no additional charge. 
So I'm kind of smiling while I ask this question, but you have to have been surprised when Nice Healthcare was available as a website availability. I mean, that is, uh, <laughs> it's, it's so intuitive, you know, like who wants to be in Nice Healthcare? Nobody thinks about that as a nice going with healthcare. It doesn't, and you know what, you want to laugh some more? I also bought the domain Nice Health Insurance. It was $20. <laughs> well, they don't go together. That's why it's, it's like saying warm ice, you know, warm yes. snow cones. I mean, it just, uh, no, it's, that doesn't fit. Well, this is, you are definitely a face to watch. I know the governor of Wisconsin is watching you and involving you in the larger healthcare picture and, um, uh, keep up the good fight, man. We're all on your side and, uh, supporting what you're doing. And I hope you grow to all 50 States and beyond. Thank you. Appreciate that. Honored to be on the program. Yeah, I've got to ask you two more questions. If people want to reach out to you, Thompson, how do they find you? Uh, LinkedIn is the LinkedIn and Twitter. That's kind of where I hang out. And so I'm very easy to find and I reply to every message unless okay. you're trying to sell me something. And right. uh, yeah, I'll get back to you if you reach out. Oh boy, and they're all trying to sell us something. And then the other question is if you can fly a banner over America, not just Milwaukee and uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota and Utah and Arizona, what would that banner say to all Americans? I would say, don't give up hope. Play your part in making things better. Oh, that's nice. I love how you open in your LinkedIn, by the way. You say, I think you say, I have a new way, a new offering. Well, what is that that you say in your uh, heading? Oh, I'm, I'm, the bearer of, I'm the bearer of something new. <laughs> I'm the bearer of something new. That's just so beautiful. Anyway, glad to have you on the show. We're going to be watching you closely and excited to uh, follow your progress. Thank you. Thanks for helping to share our story. Thank you, Thompson. Thank you for listening. You want to shake things up? There's two things you can do for us. One, go to primarycarecures.com for show notes and links to our guests. And number two, help us spotlight what's working in primary care by listening on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribing and leave us a review. It helps our megaphone more than you know. Until next episode.